Everyone and welcome to Ladies Night, the official podcast of US Chess Women. I'm your host Jennifer Shahadi and you are listening to the artist Huga of hugamusica.com and that is a song that certainly captured my heart. Oh Capablanca. His bishop was small. Thanks to everyone who supports the podcast through shares and reviews and Apple Live. If you want to get more involved in all we do at US Chess to empower girls and women through chess, please consider a tax-deductible donation of any size to our US Chess Women program and reach out to me with any questions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ladies' Night. As you know, Ukrainian chess players are legendary, and that includes women who won the 2008 Olympiad, who hail multiple world champions from Maria Muzichuk, whose sister Anna is an even higher rated grandmaster, to Anna Ushinina, to the second women's world champion, Ukrainian-born Ludmila Rudenko, who was also a war hero. Along the lines of that tradition, I am honored to bring you a special guest, recording her first ever English language interview, Anastasia Rachmangolova. She's a women's international master, a former Ukrainian women's champion. And if you heard that list of monsters, <laughs> yes, that is quite a title to hold. I first learned about Nastia in 2020 when she joined the U.S. Chess Isolated Queens Tournament, which I co-hosted with Alexander Botez at the beginning of the pandemic. Nastia played in joint second, ahead of many grandmasters. More recently, I've been glued to Nastia's Instagram stories. At first, I was anxiously following her seven-day ordeal in a bomb shelter, along with her mother, and then their journey out of Kiev to the Czech Republic. Since then, Nastia has been tirelessly fundraising and connecting those in need in Ukraine with those who are trying to help. She even recalled to me spending a 24-hour period on her phone doing this networking. On that note, thanks to everyone in the chess community who is helping to fundraise for Ukraine. The incredible response from streamers, led by Hikaru Nakamura, who raised over $125,000 to our own U.S. chess fundraiser with the Kasparov Chess Foundation to assist Ukrainian chess players. Nasia herself speaks so evocatively about her plight, giving it to me a more personal face and connecting us all to the atrocities we must speak out against. She wrote on her Instagram, every grief is a litmus paper that sheds indifference. It's an honor to have her to talk to me about her harrowing journey to escape war, how we can best help Ukrainians, and also some lighter subjects about her joy for chess and for reading and her future plans. Tell us now a little bit more about where you are. You're in the Czech Republic. Uh, yeah, currently I'm in, um, uh, I'm living in small city near to Ostrava, 
It's uh, 300 kilometers from Prague. I can think that uh, about my previous two weeks about my life. Yes. Um, it was uh, the most terrible period in my life. It's just, uh, it's impossible to describe with words. I think it's um, it's terrible. But uh, with every new day, I think that you can uh, get used to everything. You get used to missiles attack, to uh, air rights, sirens, and uh, stuff like that. You get used to living in the bomb shelter without any normal conditions. And... Um, it's uh, absolutely terrible, and uh, I. Um, there, by the way, the rest of my family still in Ukraine. My father lives in Nikolaev, and it's very dangerous zone now. And uh, he also lives in the bomb shelter. Oh, it's awful. It's uh, it's awful. My brother with the, his family, with the, his wife and uh, little child. They managed to escape from Nikolaev, and um, they now in um, Western Ukraine. It was uh, relatively safe for the last uh, five days, but now it's uh, not safe also. I think that uh, there is no places in Ukraine where you feel safe now. And yeah, we, uh, I, I was with my mom in the bomb shelter. We've been living there for one week, and then we managed to uh, leave the Kiev. Uh, it was terrible. The process of evacuation, it uh, took uh, three days. Normally, it took one day, but now it's just crowdy, uh, crowdy railway, uh, railway stations. Uh, I think that um, most of uh, people can see their picture of Kharkov railway station. It's absolutely terrible, but it's the truth. Uh, I saw it with my own eyes, and um, yeah, it's terrible. How did you decide to come to Czech Republic? Um, as I know, a lot of people are going to different countries, to Poland. I know that uh, Poland um, has a lot of uh, Ukrainian people now, has a lot of refugees, and maybe it uh, uh, can be some problems with uh, getting Poland, but... Um, we came to Anton, Anton Korobov. So he uh, played uh, Czech extra league and he was able to, to go to Czechia and uh, couldn't uh, back to Ukraine because of war. So he stays here and uh, he wrote me that it's possible to come here. Uh, so you had a you had a specific person you were meeting in the Czech Republic. Yes, yes. And the journey there took you three days. And um, I, I saw on your Instagram post, you said that you were at the train station itself for five hours. Yeah. And uh, at what point did you realize the train was going to come? I, I, I don't know, to be honest. I just believe that uh, we will be able to do it. Um, I have uh, some, I had some confidence in that uh, because... Uh, um okay I, I just don't know um we were in uh, a big line and uh, are just outside in the platform and uh, the air raid series started and uh, i i was so scared about this about this sound because uh, when you hear 
the air raid siren uh, siren uh, near the bomb shelter. It's okay because you you have to go to you uh, you, you can hide in bomb shelter and uh, you can um, not hear this uh, awful sound. But uh, when you stay in the platform and there are a lot of people around you and uh, this uh, siren sounds absolutely <laughs> terrifying. And by the way, uh, when we managed to uh, take uh, take the train here yeah, to uh, and going, uh, I think that uh, we did it uh, in the afternoon. But in the evening, the Russian troops uh, did their uh, rocket attack to railway station in Kiev. Oh my God! Yes. So what happened then? Uh, when I re- read it, I was, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, but our defense, our army was able to... Able to counter? Yes, yes. So the rocket uh, came around the railway station, not directly, thanks to our army. And, and when exactly was that? Um, it was in the evening, but uh, we, uh, we were able to get in the train in the afternoon. So it was after five or six hours. Uh, I, I, I read this uh, new. Uh, I read it in the news when you were on the train to yeah. Czech Republic. Yeah, I see. Did everybody? Did other people on the train read the same news? Uh, yes, <laughs> uh, I I bought. Uh, a roaming to have possibility to read the news to enter the internet and uh, um, by the way we uh, we were going to Czech Republic uh, by train it was absolutely different from uh, evacuation train in Ukraine because in in Ukraine it's uh, about uh, 16 or 13 up to 16 people in one compartment and also people uh, sit in, uh, in any free space you can sit. And when we were going to Cheshire, it was impossible, okay, maybe to some European rules too. Uh, and uh, we had uh, eight people in uh, one coach. So I, uh, I used my uh, smartphone to give the internet to another people. So they were able to connection with the, their relatives or with their uh, acquaintances who who has to meet them in the station. So because their phones were out of battery or they didn't have them with them. Yeah, they didn't have a roaming. They didn't have uh, this um, cell. So ah, okay, yeah. And uh, you brought with you your cell phone and just a backpack with a. Uh, what, what did you bring when you left Ukraine? In my backpack, I uh, had only my broken laptop, <laughs> uh, the provision of cans to uh, uh, two days <laughs> for two days, and uh, one uh, one jeans and one uh, jumper. <laughs> so yeah, I had I had almost nothing. It was impossible to take something even in my favorite or expensive ones, because uh, uh, when we woke up with um, 
mother at uh, 5 a.m. For the first time, um, I couldn't realize what's going on because it was early morning and, uh, oh my God, what's going on? Then I realized, I decided, okay, we have uh, 20 or half an hour minutes to pack our clothes. I read some article about how to pack your backpack with the essentials. So, yeah, and we dislocated to another apartment where uh, where was a reliable bomb shelter because uh, in the apartment where we lived with my mother, it wasn't any bomb shelter. So, yeah, thanks God we, uh, we had two possible options. So... And what uh, is the apartment? Do you know what happened to your, your apartment? Yes. Yes, it was the apartment of my uh, relative, uh, like uh, close people, close person. And the apartment that you still live, that you lived with your mother, is it still, is it still intact? I saw, uh, I, I read the news uh, the day before yesterday and uh, 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 there building uh, was uh, attacked by Russian troops and it's located uh, 700 meters from our apartment, from our house. So I, I, I don't know exactly. We have still our apartments or not. It's just, just impossible to know for now. So You stayed in the bomb shelter for like five nights, is that right? Before you decided, okay, we have to go? Yeah, I, I sank six nights and seven days for one week, yeah. It was uh, not difficult for me to make a decision, by the way. I, I don't know. When you are in ext- uh, external situation, you just know that you have to do something and just uh, don't, don't think anything else. So it wasn't uh, difficult for me, but it was difficult for my mom. <laughs> She's nervous a lot, of course, about uh, about that situation and uh, more than me, I think. So I see intelligence or stale nervous. I, I don't know how to say it uh, right in English. You had like an extra sense that you yeah. had to leave. You had to leave, yeah. yeah. When you were in the bomb shelter, were you able to sleep at all? It sounds like it would be impossible to sleep because you had internet, so you could follow all the news. It must have been so incredibly stressful and difficult to sleep yeah yeah it was uh, almost uh, impossible to sleep normally or <laughs> it's uh, it just wasn't <laughs> i had uh, a lot of bruises and on my body after this uh, week in the bomb shelter but uh, i understood that i have to endure uh, i had to believe that uh, this uh, horror will end it helped me to cope with all of these horrors. I I don't know. I still believe in a bright future. I still believe in the victory of Ukraine and we we are all came back to our houses, to our, we are all can sleep in our beds. So it's just a dream. But that belief really helps you to um, sustain because I imagine any any hour of sleep that you got helped you fortify for the journey ahead, right? Yeah. And then you were also online a lot, of course, communicating, reading the news. 
So you had you always obviously had electricity, so you were able to keep charging your phone and following everything. But uh, mentally, that must have been incredibly difficult to follow the news and feel so that you were also under attack at the same time. Yes, yes, it seems impossible, and uh, of course, it is impossible. But uh, when I said before, with every new day, you get used to this stuff. <laughs> you just okay, all right, Siren, okay. <laughs> We, we had to go to bomb shelter because uh, in the bomb shelter, of course, we had uh, no cell. So we had to upstairs to go to the fresh air for uh, some time. So I was able to uh, read some news, to uh, read some messages from people all around the globe. I still uh, continue to send through all of people from... Uh, I received uh, these messages of support and um, I really uh, need that uh, because uh, when you had nothing and uh, you just can take some of support, some of uh, people warm. So it's really, it really helps. It really helped me personally. So I, I don't know. I, I received a lot of messages even from people who I don't know. They offered me the shelter all around the globe, not even in the Europe. In Europe, so it's also impossible to describe with words the amount of my gratitude to all of these people. Who are your favorite chess players? Um, now it's Magnus Carlsen. <laughs> Uh, what's about former world champion? Maybe Kasparov. Tal Karpov was my favorite, but now, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard because he's a he's a supporter of Russia. You so you can't you can't he can't be your favorite anymore now. Yes, yeah, because because I I, I of course he is a very strong chess player, but uh, it also has a moral part. You have to be a good person, first of all. I, I, I agree with you. That's difficult to do. What among women players? Because Ukrainian women are obviously some of the best chess players in the world. You have won the Olympiad in 2008. You have the Muzichuk sisters. You have Anna Ushinina. Sorry, I mispronounced her name. Ushinina? Ushinina, yeah. yeah. So you have Anna Ushinina, who's a former world champion. You have Grandmaster Zhukova. Well, I understand is involved in politics now and is defending Odessa. I mean, the fact that you won the Ukrainian Women's Championship, like that is a title. That's a title to win. I mean, I saw that in your bio and I was like, wow. And then I looked at the tournament that you won in 2015, you won that title. And like, you were not one of the highest rated players. I think you were actually one of the lowest rated. Yes. yes. (laughs) That's a tremendous achievement. Yes. But I had to believe in myself. <laughs> Maybe it helped me. <laughs> How do you win a tournament like the Ukrainian Women's Championship? And like, what are your chess goals? To tell the truth, uh, before this tournament, I gave up chess for the first time of my life. I, I think it, uh, uh, it took one year uh, for sure. Maybe, Maybe more. But uh, when I decided to come back to chess, I, I don't know, maybe <laughs> I had some power. <laughs> maybe I missed chess so much. So uh, I was able to, to raise uh, 
80 points of ELO, and um, it was possible to play in um, Ukrainian Women Championship because uh, I didn't play a semifinal that time because I was studying in university and uh, I decided that uh, I came back in chess after I graduate my university. So I had uh, a call from Ukrainian Chess Federation before for three months of starting this championship. So uh, I had uh, a limited time, a really limited time. I had, uh, or not three months, one month. So yes, I worked a lot, a really lot, because uh, I agreed. I agreed with this proposition. <laughs> and uh, I really worked a lot. And uh, maybe uh, it was uh, the reason <laughs> which I uh, could I was able to win this championship because uh, maybe I was sure that this uh, work should be should pay me off. <laughs> what is your favorite thing to study in chess? What do you enjoy working on? Your openings, your end games, your middle games? I like middle game. I also uh, I like the um, every part of uh, uh, chess game and uh, also of course uh, now uh, I I work a lot before the war started. <laughs> now I try to uh, back to my um, previous trainings, my previous chess trainings, because uh, I still have uh, some ambitious chess and I think that uh, I can um, I can do more for my chess level. So I had uh, two successful tournaments in January and in February. Uh, I played in uh, Italy and in France and uh, I raised 50 points of Ella with these two tournaments. So yeah, I had a lot of plans uh, about my <laughs> chess uh, trainings and uh, okay, it was uh, interrupted, but uh, now I realized, okay, I need to leave. I need to do something that's important for me. So yes, of course, it's difficult. Uh, first time, first week of uh, evacuation when I, um, when I managed to reach the Cheshire um, I wasn't. I, I couldn't uh, eat normally. Uh, I couldn't smile or something like that because uh, I feel um, not in depression. I think that it's very banal depression. Uh, I, uh, I think that I feel desperation, and uh, I just uh, I, I I still have uh, nightmares. Uh, I, I still have the same dreams every night about war and evacuation. And uh, uh, now I just uh, know that, okay, it takes time, but uh, I need to continue my life. So, yes, I, I, try, um, I try to continue my trainings and uh, my chest trainings, I mean. So I think that uh, I will have <laughs> some titles <laughs> in the future also. I think so too. I think so too. <laughs> what are you doing for work? Because I know you're a streamer, right? Like you are a chess.com streamer and I saw you streaming for Isolated Queens. Are you doing chess coaching, streaming, or do you have like another plan? Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty now, but just um, curious, like what are your career ambitions in, in addition to becoming even better at chess than you are now? 
I was uh, streaming in 2020 uh, because of uh, COVID pandemic and uh, uh, we uh, didn't have uh, OTB tournaments. So it was like uh, an option to, to do something uh, connecting with chess. So uh, after uh, 2020, uh, I, uh, I don't stream for now. So uh, what about uh, coaching? Uh, I, uh, I had uh, some students. Uh, I decided to limit the amount of students because uh, uh, I need to focus on uh, my self-preparation if I need to <laughs> achieve something great in chess. So, yes, uh, I limited the amount of uh, chess students, but uh, I, I had some talented, really talented uh, children. Uh, so, yes, um, also, by the way, now I provide a free chess lessons uh, for children who, uh, who stays currently in Ukraine to distract them from all of this horrible uh, in Ukraine now. And yes, now I focus uh, on my chess preparation. I work, um, I work with literature more. I, I like reading books a lot. <laughs> and uh, the chess books are, are not an uh, exception. I... Uh, I prefer classical heritage. I really like uh, to watch uh, classical end games uh, to learn something from that. You left your chess library, I'm sure, in Kiev, so that must be difficult. What are your favorite books? Now, by the way, I, uh, I'm reading the um, chess books, which are named uh, The Strategy of Victory, uh, also Gelfer. What other books do you like? Inside chess and outside chess. Outside chess, I prefer every book. I, I just uh, I love reading any books, but maybe more I prefer historical and biographic ones. I think that it's my favorite. But it doesn't matter for me what to read. I just like the process. I, I like to for find out something new something useful for me. You like to be reading. No, it's not about what you're reading. You like to be reading because it's very absorbing, right? Much like chess. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the Gelfer book. Um, are there any other chess books that you like? I also like uh, their books uh, of Botwinik, uh, Kasparov, Karpov, uh, some classical heritage of former world champions. It's very useful and... Um, it's very interesting <laughs> to know more, to follow their thinking process. It's really a useful lesson for me. <laughs> Absolutely. What you said earlier about giving lessons to children in Ukraine is so beautiful. I mean, it's it's just amazing what you've been doing lately. I can't read all the posts because, you know, of course, a lot of the posts are in, in Russian and Ukrainian on your Instagram, but I see that you're constantly posting about how to connect people who need money, who need resources. And for people in the United States or other places in the world 
What is your top advice for them to make sure that their support of Ukraine is effective? I decided to open this uh, fundraising, if I uh, if I call it uh, like that. When I was in Kiev, when I uh, lived in bomb shelter, I received a lot of messages with uh, financial support also, and I refused from anything because, uh, okay, when you live in bomb shelter, you just don't think <laughs> anything. Uh, just you just think about how to evacuate, how to um, forget all this horror. So I just uh, refused from any kind of help. And when I reached Cheshire, and uh, it took maybe two days for me, just realized, okay, Nasta, now you are in safety, you are in safe place, so okay, you can um, use your connections to help other people. So yes, I I realized it, and um, I decided to. Uh, write these messages to open this fundraising, and uh, uh, for now, I uh, I got uh, maybe around uh, two thousand euros. Okay, maybe it's not a big amount, but it really helps people, and um, I helped a lot of people for now. And I I hope that uh, I can continue it, and I can continue to help more and more people. Of course, you're helping the children as well, which is really moving, you know? Yes, yes. Also, I shared all of these uh, stories to connect people with each other. And by the way, today uh, I shared the story about helping out uh, people in uh, Kiev in some district. And uh, I received their answer in five minutes and we connected uh, each other. So... Okay. It's also without financial, but it's, uh, it's helping. So yeah, I, I tried to do a lot. I tried to, to do everything uh, is in my power. I, I just don't know how to say it correctly. But yes, I think that we are all who have uh, such possibilities to help other people who are in need. I think that we should be doing the stuff like that. By the way, I... Um, I also want uh, to open the fundraising, something like uh, one euro saves lives. So I think that uh, I can use this GoFundMe service for that. Uh, I just have a plan because, okay, every day I, I received some money, but it ends very quickly because there are a lot of volunteers, a lot of people who need money. So there is no money. <laughs> Uh, I have some thoughts every day how to help more and more. So, yeah, I can yeah. see that. You know, you're thinking constantly and working constantly and getting messages constantly. I really admire both your bravery and your commitment to continually helping, like from the moment you escaped, it seems, until it's been what, a week or two now? I mean, and by the time people are listening to this, a few weeks, you um, seem just totally tireless and it's uh, commendable. And beautiful to see. I think a lot of us are seeing that in the Ukrainian spirit from so many people, right? That we're just seeing that you are uh, a country of very hardworking and dedicated people with such a big heart. It's really beautiful. Are you able to relax or think about chess at all? Like in this time, can you think about chess at all? Is it an escape to play a few bullet games or is it just like completely not in your head right now? Now I have some plan to uh, play chess in the future, but uh, 
it's some unpredictable future for now, <laughs> even just future. I don't know. But yes, uh, as I said before, I try to bring you my chess trainings. So for the first two days when I started this uh, coordination, financial help to volunteers, it was very difficult for me because uh, it uh, took uh, 24, almost 24 hours, uh, just uh, 24 hours with my smartphone, just, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> I need to do that, I need to do that. So it was difficult, but then um, after two or three days, I I get used to that. So it uh, for now, it's a little bit easier for me, but uh, I, I try to find uh, two or three hours per day to train, to work out my chess skills. So yes. I uh, also I provide chess lessons for uh, children. I do it when I have uh, free time and when I have uh, moral forces for that because okay, it uh, also takes some mental mental investment, mental forces. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you're able to have that time because you know you can in chassis, it's not exactly relaxing, but it's very absorbing. So you're able to just like think about something else for an hour, right? Yeah. I'm sure is a gift and able to renew you with your, with all of your important work. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm so grateful that you were able to talk to me so that I could get a greater understanding um, of everything. And, you know, it strikes me that you were in France just a few days before all of this happened. I mean, do you ever think about a parallel universe where you were still in France? then your mother would have been in Kiev alone, right? Yes, yes. Uh, by the way, when I, I when I was in France, uh, today's year before the war started, and uh, of course, we are all bothered about this situation because uh, a lot of Russian troops uh, were uh, near to our borders, so uh, the attack can happen in any time. And uh, when I back and uh, I had my last flight uh, because I had two flights uh, when I backed from France and it was from Warsaw to Kiev and uh, it was uh, delayed for two hours and I was so afraid that uh, I wasn't able to back home. I was uh, nervous a lot about that because, uh, yes, my mom can stay alone and give and uh, I just I don't know what uh, what would I do if I uh, if I if I have such situation but okay thanks God I was able to back and give and okay we we were boss and uh, yeah, we were able to think um, together we were together and uh, it's uh, very, very important when you had uh, some such a, uh, such horror, such horror situation, such horror events in your life. It's very important uh, to be with someone else. Yeah, you needed each other. Yeah. Did she play chess? Was she, who was the one who taught you chess? Uh, she also plays chess. Uh, she's a chess coach. She uh, she has, uh, oh my God, uh, 30 years experience. 
Yes, and he was my first coach. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Yes. When did she teach you? When I was four, I took my first uh, chess tournaments and uh, I was able to choose my first chess category. Ah, okay. Yeah, I see. I see. You know, we don't really have that in the United States in the same way. I know that in a lot of countries, it's very important. So it's like basically you you move up one level, like on a ladder. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, and then when I was five, I took another category and then another. And when I was eight, I won my uh, first Ukrainian chess championship under 10. And then my parents (laughs) decided, okay, maybe she will play chess. (laughs) And then they started to train you more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And it's a tough country to be really successful in chess because the women's team is so strong. But you were able to do it, you know, so you played in the World Youth Championships and you probably also helped you that there were so many strong Ukrainian women around, right? Are you friends yeah. with with many women on the team? Yes, I, I think that it's uh, very difficult to join the national team. It's very, very difficult for sure. And uh, I'm completely sure that I missed a lot of time. But uh, okay, I I think that it's possible to reach it in uh, some time. Well, you're Uh, definitely going to have a lot of people rooting for you when you're back playing in the Olympiad. You know, you, I can see you there with the blue and yellow, um, definitely (laughs) representing the team. So Anastia Rachmongolova has been amazing. She is an incredible human being. I, I think you can tell from this interview, so passionate and brave. A big thank you for all you're doing to kind of not only help, but also to shine a light for the rest of the world as to what's really happening. Because when you know one person and you see what they're going through, it can help you understand everyone and what they're going through. Thank you a million times. I'm, I'm grateful to you. I'm... I was happy to be with you right now. If you like what we're doing at US Chess to encourage women and girls to explore STEM fields, accentuate competence, and approach an even ratio with a focus on intersectionality, your donation to our US Chess Women programs is always appreciated and tax deductible. The US Chess suite of podcasts, including Ladies Night, are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films, Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Don't forget to listen and subscribe to all U.S. chess podcasts from One Move at a Time, Cover Stories, and The Chess Underground. Till next time, may every night be ladies' night. Now according to Sockfish I got it all wrong After slightly My dear Capablanco, you tell me we'll learn.